Hello. Welcome to Heaven and Hell. I'm Joe Wilmot. I'm sure you've heard that before. I'm sure it's not anything new to you. I'm sure of a sure uh the uh, female deity when it comes to God is not much talked about in regards to God in regards to the Holy Bible. You have to weigh in on the idea of who is Ashura, who is the counterpart to the masculine, the male-oriented God. And if you say he does have a goddess, that there is a goddess, most people would attribute that to being Mother Mary. Mother Mary, Mary the Virgin, who gave birth to Jesus Christ. That would be the proclaimed thought of goddess. But if we're thinking of a being like God, would we think that there are other beings like God? As in another deity that is so happens to be feminine deity? Interesting. Interesting. And I don't know the answer to that. From what I've heard about uh, the preaching, it doesn't talk about that. And from what I've heard about the first woman, that a woman was created before Adam, or that there was a woman created before Eve named Lilith, that gets into controversial text talking about alternate versions or just additional versions of what happens in the Bible. I think those are more imaginative and more creative. I think when people add on to the Bible, and they go into detail more so on some characters, like in the book of Enoch, or like the story of Adam and Eve's life after they left the garden. I think that really gets into fairy tales, or more so non-traditional stories that were passed down from generation to generation until they were finally able to be written. So Lilith is not true. The story of an Ashura, which she is mentioned in Kings as an Ashura statue, and God wants them to tear it down because they he wants to keep her purity. And that's one thing about the Bible is that God loves what is pure. 
pure, pure righteousness, pure love, pure good. And in our society, most of us are leaning towards the pure evil than we are leaning towards the pure good. I just think to myself that most people inherently think they do good or try to project good, but perhaps they be godless. Perhaps they be know-it-alls. Perhaps they be so-called proclaimed individualists with uh, alpha mentality that you get what you put into it, and the more you work hard, the more you get for what you what you do. The more effort, the more intelligence, the more workout, the more you exert yourself on this earth, the more you'll get out of this earth. They view it as a singular lifeline. And, and even then, if they don't view it as a singular lifeline, they move into the spiritual substances of Alan Watts and spirit science, where they start to believe that they can become their own God and create their own universe, which we all know what kind of mess that gets everybody in. It gets you in a psychotic disorder facility where they treat you for mental illness. Yes, 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 yes. But let's get back on track about Ashura. Is she real? Is she not real? Is there a female goddess amongst God? Well, God's only begotten son is Jesus. Okay, so he created Jesus through Mother Mary. And if you think about why does God need a goddess, he said, oh, well, God's just a lonely old guy. Sits up there all by himself, and, you know, there's no female for him to interact with, you know. And it's like, okay, well, then you have to think about if there was a goddess up there, would she come down and create a woman? Well, she can't really come down and have sex with a man or take a man's semen and give birth in heaven. It just don't work like that. And then you think about the sons of God and the daughters of God, you know, whether or not that be the angelic beings, but we're told that the angelic beings came into existence when God was creating things, when he first started creating power and, and order and creating the universe. We don't know about angels because we don't really typically see them, but they're said to be non-binary, neither male nor female. Pretty much non-binary. Most, most people say, come to the conclusion that they're all male or that they're female or that they're both. And if you just say they're non-binary, they're neither male nor female, they're, you know, perfect in the middle type of uh, beings that are not sexually reproductive. But then you get the story of the, uh, I can't think of the name right now, but the story of 
the Nephilim, the angels that come down from heaven, to mate with female women. And then they created giants, and that's when God also decided he needed to create the flood to wipe out not only the impure things of the human, but wipe out the Nephilim. So if we're really getting into the talk about, you know, sexual counterparts for for the higher divine beings, as in God and the angels, we have to take a look and see, well, what about Jesus? Did Jesus ever have a love on earth? You know, he was said to be, you know, pure love, that he, he projected pure love. Did Jesus ever have a love on earth that was a female? Of course. They say the bride of Christ is the church. But is there something more to this story? How can the bride of Christ be the church? If there is a bride of Christ, that would mean that it would have to be someone of equal power, kind of, doesn't have to be, someone of divinity, right? You know, you, you think to yourself, has to be someone of equal bond kinship, you know, and, and you're thinking to yourself, well, is there a girl on earth that is meeting those requirements? And then you think to yourself of the kings that will become kings of uh, of the new Jerusalem, you know, not, not the king of kings as in Jesus, but as in, you know, be a king in the kingdom. And who are their wives? But we're told, we're told that in this new heaven, heaven on earth, in this new Jerusalem, that there will be no such thing as marriage. Marriage will be done away with. It will not be existent. There will be a new formation of love with one another. No, that does not mean you can have multiple sexual partners. I don't think it means that there will be anything like sex in the new Jerusalem. In the kingdom on earth. I think sex complicates things. And I think it takes things out of context. And is used as a weapon against people. Because it is love making. Making love with one another. Sharing love with one another. But so often people just form the lust aspect of sex. And they don't care about the love aspect of sex. And that's what gets you in trouble. That's what gets you sinning against God. If you do it in marriage, then you're doing it right because you're connected to that person for life. 
You can make love as much as you want with that person, as long as it's okay with that person. But when you're on earth and you're just, say, in your young adult or adult life and you're just not married and you're hooking up with people just for the sexual pleasure, well, that's not good. That creates complications and it affects your spirit. And your spirit formulates bonds within your sexual partners. Whoever you have sexual encounters with means that you have a connected part because you connect, you hook, you integrate one part of yourself into one part of their self, and it creates some sort of soul bond. And that creates complicated soul experience within fleshly reality. We'll take a break, come back, and continue the episode. So even the sexual things that you do... with anyone creates the soul bond and the soul bond is not only created from sexual experiences with that person there is a soul bond equated with simply interaction with people around you be careful of who you put in your life and who is around you because whoever it is that you incorporate into your group of people is the group going to change the way you are? Say, for instance, you appear on Earth, you're 30 years old, and you've never had any social interaction with anybody your entire life. And everything is completely individualistic. Then you find a group of people and you integrate with them as far as conversation, as far as experience, as far as activity. You would then become a person with attributes of the group around you. You wouldn't just be singular and basic and individualistic anymore. You would adapt to your surroundings and you would adopt some persona traits from the people around you. Is that good or is that bad? Depends on what type of traits they are. If you're around a good crowd, you'll adapt to good traits. If you're around a bad crowd, you'll adapt to bad traits. It's simple. And... When you integrate in soul bond, sexual bond, and kinship with a person, hooking up, you find out about that person, depending on how much time you spend with that person, what the expense of the sexual interaction was, and... What you know about that person is from the experience you have from that person. 
And not only do you gain the personality traits, not gain them, but understand them and know them, but you then you come. Where was I going with that? I, I was going with you. you, you You know them. You know them, and they know you. And what you feel is their movements with other people, your movements with other people, and pretty soon you start feeling the sexual responses. Maybe you have to be an empath to feel this, or spiritually divine, or spiritually connected. To feel the sexually active partner that you once had or that you currently have while you're being non-sexually active by yourself. Say, for instance, for me, we'll use an example. Say I meet Mary and I have sex with Mary. Then I don't have sex with Mary. And Mary goes and has sex with somebody else. Say, for instance, the time me and Mary had sex was three hours. Then we'll say, after that, we got to know each other a little bit better, but then she went and had sex with somebody else. Say, I'm sitting at my desk talking on the microphone. Then all of a sudden... I start feeling the sexual soul connection that I've established with her, but I start feeling the movements of her soul through me with another person. Does that make sense? It's complicated. I can't explain it perfectly. No way, Jose. I can't explain it to the best of my knowledge. But the thing I get to saying about the soul bond, the soul connection, the spiritual connection, soul bond is what we'll go with, is that when I was first coming back from my sickness from the hospital and my break and my spiritually enriched experience of divine nature, of spiritual power, I would be recovering not knowing how to talk, of course, yet, of course, yet. And I would be feeling the only girl I've ever had a sexual experience with for a long period of time, over a year, I would start feeling sexual movements of my soul through her. Because we had connected and we had had intimacy for a long period of time. So I would feel her having sexually experience, sexual experiences with other people while I would be down and out of the game and just be sitting there in shame. Like, I can't believe this is happening. Is that her or is it this person or is it that person? Because by the time I was thinking about it, I had already experienced the soul bonds, not as many times, but with a few different people before I started to feel the soul 
experience sexually experience soul bonds. And it made me frustrated. It made me sad because when I would feel that, I would feel as if, you know, they were just having a grand old time engaging in sexually activity while it was just simply hurting me to know that the girl that I love is out there grinding or having sex with somebody else. And it was like that for a long time. Long time. Lots of times it happened. My soul bond that I established in my relationship comes back and haunts me by letting me know when that person is sexually experiencing more sexual immorality. So yes, people, we're talking about sex, baby. Talking about you and me. Talk about ecstasy. Talk about baby. No. Okay? It's just a sad thing. So when you have sex with somebody, some sort of experience of sex, you have to be careful to know that you don't really care about them because if you feel their sexual energy with another person, you have to be strong enough to not let it affect you, not let it hurt you, not let it bring you down. And another form of soul bond, form of soul bonds, is if somebody gets injured and they talk about their injury and they show you their injury, you can feel the pain of their injury. You'd be surprised at what you can feel with your private parts. When somebody is injured and they show you their injury, it's like a shot in the nuts. It's like, ow, that hurt. Because I saw what happened to you and it hurts me to see that because it affects my reality. It's another soul bond because you're connected to that person. When you see a cut on their finger or when you see uh, something happen to them, that is an injury and it affects you, that's pain. That affects you. That's a, another form of a soul bond. So what happens with the flesh is our flesh connects to the people around us, the people that are in our reality, the people that are of our group. You become like the people you spend time with. So be careful who you spend time with. Be careful who you have sex with. Because you don't want to have sex with your wife for 20 years and then get divorced and be down in the dumps and then feeling that sexual response from your wife with another person that, ha that she has while you have nothing. That can lead a man to kill himself. That can lead a man to great sorts of depression because that what once was his is no longer his. And that's why if you get married, you're supposed to stay married. That's the whole point of marriage. And if you have a baby, you're supposed to be married. And if you have sex, you're supposed to have children from sex unless you have other sorts of sex 
which doesn't result in putting the semen in the eggs. It's as simple as that. But yet you have birth control, but yet you have uh, abortion, but yet you have plan A, plan B, but yet you have all these counterproductive things in the mass majority of the population that is ever so growing. Yes, it feels good. But what cost does it cost you? At what cost does having sex cost you emotionally for the next month, two months, three months, however long it is, until the soul bond wears out? Until that soul bond wears out, you're stuck experiencing that soul connection. Until you get with another connection that is stronger, or until you are so distant from the original connected source that it just becomes numb and you don't feel it anymore. So this is just a little lesson on soul bonds. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Joe Wilmot, your host on Heaven and Hell. Thanks for tuning in for JCHW Radio. Catch you next time.